Coming at you from New York City, it's The Real Deal Podcast with your host, Ian Phillips. Welcome to Serial, everybody. My name is Ian Phillips, and today we are going to find out, did Anon do it? All right, are, are you all listening? Okay, good. Don't turn it off. This is not Serial. I'm sorry. I know that's the only podcast you all listen to, but I swear there are other things out there. It's going to be okay. We might never find out if Anon or MailChimp did it, but the everything will be okay. What team are you on? Are you on Team Anon did do it or Team Anon didn't do it? Thinking of making t-shirts and then I'll plaster on the back of the Real Deal podcast. Free advertising. Make a little profit. Come on, how are those t-shirts not exist yet? Don't steal my idea. I'm going to do it. Uh... But actually, welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. My name is Ian Phillips, as always. Uh, We have a bunch of things we're going to talk about this week. Um, Our main review later on down the road will be of Rosewater, which won't be an exact straightforward review, but you'll see how that goes. Um, First thing I want to say is I've been noticing that movie robots are getting a lot friendlier now. Robots, computers, machines... Like, in the 80s and 70s, 80s, 90s, Hollywood was scared shitless of machines. Think about it. An alien... What the, what's the alien? The, the, the robot, the evil robot guy's name that was sent by the corporation. Blade Runner. Both Terminator movies. It was just all about how machines were going to take over the world. And that wasn't wrong, because machines did take over the world... But you know what? It might actually benefit us. Uh, Today, I mean, machines right now are kind of our friends. Uh, The uprising hasn't happened yet. There's still still time for Siri to weaponize. But right now, machines have been very useful in our lives. And because of that, I think movies are responding. Uh, Just this year, we had, I'm just thinking right now, an interstellar. The best character in that movie was Tars. Ironically and fittingly, the most human character in that movie was a wise-cracking robot. By far the best written character. But yeah, this robot, he gets sent to space with them, and you're going to think, oh no, he's going to compromise the mission or screw them over. No, he, he freaking lifts Anne Hathaway out of the water and stuff. You've got that. Look at the alien prequel Prometheus. The friendly robots in that. Um, seen the trailer for Chappie, which is coming out, uh, the new Neil Blomkamp movie. That looks awesome, and it's basically about a robot who is a child and is growing up and learning to be an adult, but is inherently good. His name's Chappie, and he's played by, by Charlotte Copley. Oh my god, I can't wait to see that. I did not like Elysium, but I'm not gonna lie, Neil Blomkamp's latest is gonna be great. And then there's a lot of others. You had her, which was about the possibility you could fall in love with your phone. I mean, the phone breaks his heart at the end. Spoiler alert. So maybe that's where the uprising starts. The uprising isn't going to start with machines weaponizing. It's just going to start with machines realizing we are way smarter than the rest of humanity. So we can just get out of here, which is what happened in her. I just think that's interesting how it's responding uh, to the time so much. Um, 
So yeah, I just wanted to get that note out of the way. I didn't get to review Interstellar formally. I was going to, but uh, and going to have some guests on, but scheduling issues unfortunately didn't pan out. You can read my review on realdealblog.com. I talk about more than just TARS in it. And if you could tell by my comment before, by saying the most human character is a robot, maybe you can tell what the rest of my review will be like. Come on, Nolan. You're, you're great, Nolan. We need more Nolans. But in order to get more Nolans, we need one strong one. The Nolan we deserve and the Nolan we need right now is you, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Uh, TV, TV. Uh, so I decided today is right now we're recording this on a Monday. On Saturday, I decided maybe it's about time I tried to come back. And I watched all 13 episodes within that two-day span. All 13 episodes of the first season. Um, if you don't know anything about the comeback, just the background. So the first season came out in 2005. Um, it stars Lisa Kudrow, and she plays this actress named Valerie Cherish, who was a big sitcom star in the 90s, and her star is faded, and she's attempting to make a comeback by having this reality TV crew follow her around everywhere uh, while she's on the set of a new sitcom she's in that she's hoping will be her big comeback and turns out not to be. So there's many layers. It's a comeback within a comeback, and it's about an actress who was also once in a big sitcom in the 90s. I don't, is, is the show about Lisa, is the show actually about Lisa Kudrow? I don't know. It's not a question worth asking, just like it's not really worth asking, oh, is Birdman really about Michael Keaton? It's about more than just that. They're fitting, for, they're perfect for the roles, but it's about more. Um, so the comeback was canceled after just one season, and there was a lot of outrage, and 10 years late, oh, nine years later, almost 10, HBO brought it back. That's the miracle. They, they saw everyone was watching on HBO Go. Nobody on the Twitter sphere would shut up about it. So they brought it back. And that's the beauty of it all. Shows can't get canceled anymore. They can just, they, they're going to be zombified versions. I don't know what this new season of the comeback is like. I haven't watched it yet. I am personally really looking forward to it um, because I loved the first season. I'm upset I never saw it before. Um, it's a lot of things we can focus on. The cringe humor. It's like, it's, it is like Curb Your, like maybe a female-centric Curb Your Enthusiasm, but even more meta because of how painful the humor is. You have this, like, character who, like, she's kind of a bad person, but you're rooting for her. I don't know. I feel like I read before that she's, like, just an all-out bad person. She's not. I mean, she does a lot of things to get ahead like, she doesn't have any sense of boundaries, and that's what makes the show really uncomfortable. But you feel bad for her because you just feel like at every turn that she just keeps getting bad luck. It's what happens in show business. She's all about chanting. This is what show business is like. This is what show business is like. I don't know. She's a poor woman. Keeps they, they, they cut her off right before anyone can thank her during the award show. That's, that sums up Valerie Cherish's life pretty much. But there was a... One thing I couldn't help but focus on. So this show came out in 2005. It's set during that time, the mid-2000s. It's not a period piece. But now it comes off as one. I don't know. Maybe it's I haven't rewatched a lot from that era. But I found the show was dated. 
but not in like a bad way. I also in general think the term dated is kind of stupid. Like, I don't know, what is that even like, yes, like time moves along, time's a flat circle, blah, blah, blah. Jaden Smith knows a lot about time, but like you can't can, like, what are you going to do? Like, never make something that's set in the present day because you're afraid it might look bad in a few years? I mean, try and make it a universal story. The comeback could have, I think, could have been set in any year. That's why I'm curious to see what this new version will look like because I think it will adapt very well. But the way that it's dated is like, I don't know, could I call it adorable? Because it kind of is. It's like very quaint. And it just makes me realize all these things I didn't think about that like define the 2000s everybody had a flip phone everybody there were i mean there was the iphone i don't think had even been a thing in 2005 it was still just ipod so it was a simpler time but like when i look at movies today i'll talk about this more with rosewater when i look at movies today about today's current technology i just like it's like kind of painful and weird to watch and it's a phenomenon i can't really explain because like filmmakers are still so fascinated with twitter and stuff like that. I just don't understand it. But like, I feel like when I watch movies that are set in the 2000s, back in 2000, I was never like, oh, like, oh my God, they have a flip phone. This is so weird. I think the first time I, that ever occurred to me that they were using cell phones as a plot device was in The Departed because they were. And it was kind of cool, but it was also felt really weird. Of course it did. I mean, they're not used as that major of a plot point in the comeback. It'll, it would work fine with iPhones. It's just interesting. But there's all these other things, I mean, that would be so different today. Like, there's multiple episodes where they go and put in CDs. They're listening to CDs. They go to an opening at a CD store. There's all these things that, like, I think just show business has... It's only nine years ago. It's not that long. But show business has changed so much since then. I'm not completely a part of it right now, really. So I don't really know a lot of the inner working. So maybe it still runs on this antiquated model. But, like, there's an entire episode of the comeback where it's such a big deal that she can get on the cover of a magazine. I, today, that wouldn't mean that much. I mean, the magazine cover would go online. That's where you would find it. But, like... I think, like, a modern-day equivalent of that would be, I don't know, her trying to get a BuzzFeed listicle of herself, however that works. And then, like, there's all this... Like, I still don't understand how rate Like, there's a lot about talk about ratings on the show. And ratings today, like, Nielsen ratings, like, they kind of matter, but so many other factors do. I think that reviews today for TV matter more than anyone takes into account. Like, Mulaney's show right now is getting really bad reviews, and the ratings are terrible. If the ratings were terrible, but it got good reviews, then it would have a fighting chance. But, like, there's a, they're really concerned about that in the show. But there is, it's just so weird thinking about all these things. I'm like, they're like, oh, they don't have to worry about this. There's the internet. There's no internet. But it's also, the reason that the datedness doesn't feel like, annoying or troublesome it's because of the whole reality show thing i remember i think that like the mid-2000s was the reality show bubble reality shows are big today but it's it's still it feels like reality shows in today like correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not that in touch with the common man i feel like reality shows are not 
as big of a deal today. Like, I think it was this thing, the whole show is her having a reality show follow her around everywhere. And, I mean, if it was a modern day, it's like this, and there's a lot of jokes on the show. Like, there's one episode where she goes to the People's Choice Awards, and they keep commenting about how they have to make room for reality show crews, and that there's, like, three other actors there that brought crews with them. And it was kind of this thing where everybody in 2005 had a reality show, sort of like how they say today, oh, everybody has a podcast. Back then, everybody had a reality show. It's a really genius comment on culture. It was really ahead of its time. I'm happy I'm watching it today because I would honestly say the things that age the least or date the least are typically period pieces, but I'm really happy that the show was made and set in that present day because it says so much. It always takes time, 15, 20 years, to be able to talk about a certain decade. Like, I think we're only just figuring out the 90s right now. But that show really had the mid-2000s figured out. That and, like, Arrested Development. That's why they're both canceled. They were ahead of their time. Shows don't get, can't get canceled anymore because of the internet, which is maybe something that Valerie Cherish will be finding out this season. We'll have to find out. But, yeah. If you haven't seen the comeback yet, I would recommend it. Um, great time capsule year 2005. Genius comedy. Great inside look at TV. It's just one of those shows you're like, this really, this really gets it. Sorry, that was an Ebola hookup. Hiccup. Not a hookup to Ebola. It was a hiccup. Anyway, that show really gets it. It's on HBO Go. Go check it out. Steal your parents' password if you have to. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Now it is time to move on to Real Talk, R-E-E-L, and this week we're going to talk about Rosewater. I don't know if this is going to be a straight-out traditional review, really, because I have already written one. You can go check it out on the website. Uh, this will be scattered thoughts, and I want to relate it to some other things as well. Okay, uh, so we were talking before about the comeback and about how that show portrayed the technology back then about flip phones. So I think it is appropriate to start off talking about Rosewater's uh, its view of technology. Um, so, by the way, I will say spoiler alert for real life now, but... Yes, that's a thing I'll have to say, but if you're spoiled by a real-life story, then, like, go read a book. I don't know. Don't don't listen to my podcast that I'm recording my childhood bedroom. Don't get angry over it. Although, I would be honored if you were to put so much thought into it. Anyway, so in Rosewater, uh, Jon Stewart directed it and wrote it. It's about this journalist named Maziar Bahari, um, who is an Iranian journalist. Um who went to go cover the Iranian election back in 2009, I believe it was. But anyway, he was arrested and put in jail and tortured a little bit and interrogated. And part of the reason, one thing, they, they accused him of being a spy, and it was because he had gone on and done a Daily Show bit with Jason Jones about being a spy. And the Iranian government, how do I say this? took it a bit literally 
Um, so he ended up in jail. But um, there's one part of the movie. So they're talking about, I remember when the Iranian election happened. Because I remember watching it through Twitter mostly. I don't. I was really there was like a period where I was very invested actually in current events. So I was working for my school newspaper, and cared a little. But the Iranian election was really interesting because I remember having a glimmer of hope. I was like, things might change, you know, like things are this way one day and they might be different the next. Oh, to be to be young. Um, but anyway, like the the main way we found out about it before it was completely blocked off in Iran was through Twitter. That's people were tweeting about it and there was videos. There was ways to to empathize, sympathize and be one with the protesters. It was pretty amazing. So the movie had to address that in some way, obviously. So they do it in this one sequence. It really annoys me. Where like literally... I mean, you see Maziar first, he's sitting there on his computer reading his Twitter feed, which is fine because he's a journalist. He's looking at his Twitter. But then you see this scene where, like, there's cars driving on the highway and there's these, like, hashtags flying around everywhere. And then all the hashtags form this one big building. It's cool. I get what John Stewart was going for. But, like, there's something that seems really silly and it seems like it's throwing it in our face. And I feel like – I still feel like movies don't – understand how to put new media into movies or social media and like why can't it just correspond and be a part of it like why do you have to throw it in our faces like that we're assaulted by it every single minute of every day i come to the movies for escape i come to look at a reflection of my real life so if somebody's checking their twitter feed i'm like oh everybody's checking their twitter now that's that's not a problem, but, like, I don't need to have hashtags thrown at me. Thank God that movie wasn't in 3D. Um, another movie that did something similar that was earlier this year was Chef, which literally had, like, giant Twitter birds, like, flying around everywhere in montages of Vine. And it, like, I, I just find it really weird and kind of cringeworthy in a way. And kind of like, as Valerie Cherish would say, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> um... I just feel like there's a subtle, there could be a subtlety to it. Honestly, one movie that did it well was The Fault in Our Stars. It just kind of had them texting to each other, kind of like it was just a regular conversation, like two people passing letters. Imagine, I'm just thinking now, imagine that scene in Moonrise Kingdom where Sam and Susie are writing letters back and forth to each other. Since that was said in the 1960s, if that was said today, that scene would be so boring. It would just be them texting each other back and forth, no fancy font, no reading it in their heads. Siri would be reading it back and forth. Wow. The more we get technology, the easier life gets, but the more boring storytelling seems to become. And that's unfortunate. I mean, that little thing was just one little part of Rosewater. So it can't drive my entire feelings on the movie. It's a very good movie. Um... For, it's a really good directorial debut, and, like, the story behind it, like, I just, it's just, like, one of those things where, like, you have to give, I don't want to just give John Stewart points for making it, but, like, it was one of those stories where, like, he's talked, John Stewart talked about that, like, he didn't have to make it, he tried to get other people to make it, and out of necessity he got it made, but it still feels like this is a movie that, like, there's a reason it was getting made, 
And for a lot of like historical movies or movies based on real life events, it's hard to think like why is the person who's directing this? Why are they making it? I 100% understand why John Stewart was making this. There is a personal connection from John Stewart to Maziar Bahari through this movie, and you feel it. Maziar Bahari seems like an awesome. He's like a really incredible man. Um incredible guy really cultured and smart and has a sense of humor big personality for a journalist i mean that's why he's done so much he's made videos and hosted things and written books and written articles and he's brave he's been in jail and then came out to to tell the tale of it he just keeps on living man l-i-v-i-n um but also along with like that one twitter scene there's a lot of reuse. This actually bothers me. It takes up like a big chunk of the movie of just CNN stock footage, which is weird because John Stewart has made a living off of telling us that we shouldn't trust cable news, yet he trusts cable news to tell most of this story. Maybe it was probably for budgetary reasons they did that. It's probably helpful. And also it is helpful to relive the event, so that makes sense. But, like, they could have dis- – it would have been kind of nice if they, like, kind of dispersed it or if they mixed reenactments with uh, the actual footage. At one point, Maziar's uh, driver, who looks like an Iranian Adam driver, actually, tells Maziar, who's holding a camera in his hand, you have a real weapon. You choose not to use it. Come on, John Stewart. You have that camera. Just just film more things. I would love if Jon Stewart directs another movie. I would totally be on board to go see that. Um, I don't know what he would direct next. If his Daily Show contract goes up, there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not he'll return. But who knows? That's, that's, not, that's for him, the decision for him to make on his own. He'll do amazing if he keeps hosting. But he's also passed the torch on to many other people. Um... This is something I just wanted to, it's kind of going off topic of Rosewater, but talking about the state of political satire on TV, and uh, now what is the big three? There's The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, The Colbert Report, and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Uh, recently, there is an article in Vulture talking about how John Oliver was basically outdoing both The Daily Show and The Colbert Report in a game that they invented. And John Oliver spawned from John Stewart, basically got his start because of him. Got his start because John Stewart was going to film Rosewater, actually. Everything is connected, guys. But anyway, this article is saying that John Oliver has beat them at their own game. And I agree with that in ways because John Oliver is, am- is amazing, guys. His show was definitely, like, I just, like, there were, sh- there were like, I think... There is, like, a lot of – I don't watch that much TV live anymore. Like, the one other show I really watched live every time it was on this year was Game of Thrones. And I have the same level of anticipation every week for last week tonight as I do for Game of Thrones. And last week tonight's not even, like, a suspenseful cliffhanger show or anything like that. It's just like you're like, what is John Oliver going to talk about this week? Because you never know what he's going to talk about, and it's always going to be something different, something that nobody else will dare talk about. His satire is amazing. It mixes 
real serious editorializing with complete absurdity. It's like the best of British and American worlds. I really love it. I, I think he'll win the Emmy this year. I hope he does. But I always have trouble comparing all these shows. And it sounds stupid because on a base level, I've gotten in fights with people before who are like, oh, Col- Stephen Colbert is way better than Jon Stewart. And then I'll say, no, they're different. And they'll say, how? They're both satirizing politics. Yeah, but they're satirizing it in such different ways. I mean, like, there's so many different sitcoms on TV. You can't just say the same thing. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to compare Community and Mike and Molly. They're completely different shows aiming at different audiences made completely different ways. Um, I mean, like, there's big differences between Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert and John Oliver. Like, Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert... I mean, I personally, I like the Colbert Report a little better than The Daily Show right now, but that doesn't mean that Jon Stewart is doing a bad job or that he wants to do what Stephen Colbert does. Jon Stewart is, and always will be, a stand-up comedian. Stephen Colbert is an actor, an improviser, all these things. Jon Stewart's show is righteous indignation and editorializing. That's what he's really good at. Stephen Colbert's show is performance art. The Daily Show never tries to be performance art. It is satire, but it's not performance art. Colbert's going for something different, very weird, a lot more postmodern. It's brilliant. The Daily Show is brilliant, too. The Daily Show sometimes, I feel like, has limitations, as opposed to the Colbert Report, which is able to do a lot more because they have this character, and Jon Stewart always kind of has to be himself, and... That can create limitations, but Colbert Report, they can do anything. They can do stories. They can create their own super pack. John Oliver is a little bit of both. He's an actor and a stand-up, because, and that's why I like his show. He has, the, he has these amazing segments where he can sit and talk about net neutrality for 15 minutes and then dance around with a guy in a unicorn costume and then perform with Right Said Fred. That's a rare skill. It literally is. Last week tonight is the DNA of The Daily Show and The Colbert Report. Last week tonight is the newest. It has the most buzz. It might be the best right now. All those shows are necessary. Unfortunately, we don't have that much time left with Colbert because he's going to host The Late Show. And By the way, so I went to this special screening of Rosewater, and afterwards they showed this live Q&A that was filmed of Stephen Colbert interviewing Jon Stewart. And Stephen Colbert was interviewing him out of character and doing a very sincere interview. And it was like, I don't know, Colbert is... I really think Colbert is going to... It's going to... I'm going to miss the character of Stephen Colbert. It's a shame that he's going. But I think the real Colbert is great too. I mean, his similar characteristics showing why he's such a great actor. Like, I don't, he asks great questions. He's really quick on his feet and great with improvising. He's really fun to watch. I mean, it might also be because he's known Jon Stewart for so long, he's comfortable with him. But you can just tell there's just something about, I just love the way Colbert was asking those questions. It was very sincere. And you could tell that he was, he was very quiet because you could tell he was just listening. And every once in a while, he would drop in a quip that was always hilarious. That's what a good interviewer is. There's a lot of interviewers that just shout over their 
the person they're talking to because they have an ego. Colbert won't do that. That'll shift the paradigm. Uh, nobody will be able to compare The Daily Show to Colbert anymore. They'll compare it to The Late Show, and that's a completely different game. Just The Daily Show and Last Week Tonight. Um, it's unfortunate Last Week Tonight's not coming back until February. Um, that show is really going places. It's really ambitious and really awesome. So Rosewater, I would recommend you see it. Gael Garcia Bernal's great in it. The directing's great. All the other acting is great. Um, it's an important story. Despite its flaws, it's an important story. Um, I found it to be a really fast two hours for the most part. Once it gets to the prison, it really picks up. There's some really wonderful scenes in it. Surprisingly, really, a very funny movie. Brilliant how it it gets the absurdity of the whole situation and doesn't take itself so seriously in a way that most other movies about this topic would not. That's what makes it so unique, and that's why it should have been told. Unfortunately, it didn't do that well at the box office this weekend, but I would say if it's around, go see it. Go check it out. There's a lot of good stuff out in theaters right now. That's a good one. Um, all right, everybody. I think I've run out of things to talk about this week. Uh, so I don't know what the next show will be about. Um, I'll let you know. I'll probably do an episode about The Hunger Games, um, Mockingjay, which is coming out this weekend. That's a big one. I'm excited for that. I'm a fan of The Hunger Games movies. A lot of people don't like the can criticize them. I'm a fan of them. It's uh, good, mature stuff that reaches both. It's fun for both adults and kids. How can you hate Woody Harrelson and Jennifer Lawrence? Um, so that'll probably be next week. Um, I just want to thank everybody who is listening. I know these haven't been coming out that often. Schedule's been weird. It's been hard for me since it's just me hosting it, um, and not anybody else. Hopefully I'll get somebody else next month. I'm going to have somebody host a special episode with me. Um, that's definitely happening and that's going to be a lot of fun. I uh, just want to say quick thanks also to my producer, Nick Ferrero, who has been uh, very incredibly busy with school right now and unfortunately hasn't had a lot of time to work on this, but will be back. And uh, I'm going to – if the audio sucks in this episode, I apologize because I'm going to edit it on my own, and we'll see how that goes. But Nick, thank you. Good producer. Hard-working guy. Hardest-working guy not in show business yet. All right, so uh, we didn't find out if Anon did it. Uh, maybe we will next week. Who knows? Uh, for now, you can check out my work on realdealblog.com, R-E-E-L, dealblog.com. My review of Rosewater is there. My thoughts on Bill Cosby being an asshole, uh, other TV shows and movies I like. Uh, go check it out. And as always, keep it real. Just, just.